0: another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we're here to bring you more knowledge, more lights, and more love. It's an incredible day today. It's sunny in Oregon, and if you know about that, if you know what that means, you know it's a rare and beautiful experience. People are very happy. We're doing something different today. Normally, on Midnight on Earth, we have a certain format. We have interviews with fantastic people and we've been doing lecture episodes where we listen to enlightening and inspirational lectures from around the internet and various places. And we learn from them and we talk about them. Now we're going to introduce a new format for midnight on earth. It's always changing. It's always evolving. It's never going to be the same thing twice. Today, on April Fool's Day 2021, when I'm recording this, we are debuting Beyond the News. This is Midnight on Earth's take on the various strange and unusual phenomena out there, the news that is peculiar, UFOs, ghosts, all the things out there, paranormal news, all the things out there that. Just like Midnight on Earth embraces the cutting edge, the fringe. We're going to find those articles. We're going to find those recorded situations out there and aggregate them occasionally on these Beyond the News episodes. So this is the very first one. I, I hope you feel very lucky because you should because you're here with us the very first Beyond the News episode of Midnight on Earth We're growing. We're changing. We're becoming something more than we were before. This is the goal of humanity. This is the goal of your personal experience, the collective experience, how you should do your work. So this is what's happening right before your eyes. Midnight on Earth just keeps growing and changing. We're incorporating new ideas. We're trying new things and seeing what sticks. So I'm glad you're here with us. And before we get into these incredible stories that I've found, that are out there on the internet and in various places, I need you to do a few things for me. First, follow me on Instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth. That's the address I need you to follow me at. Go there, click the follow button. If you haven't already, the numbers are going up. So some of you already have, if you haven't yet, please do that for me. It helps this podcast. Appear in other places on Instagram, it somehow activates their algorithm in such a way that places me around in places I wasn't before. So, and like I always say, it's not about me, it's about the guests, it's about what they put out there. So, I want that to be out there more. So, help me there. Spotify, follow me on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you go to find your podcasts. Please click the button that connects you with me so you get notifications when episodes premiere and things of that nature. Lastly, tell a friend, tell a relative, tell people that you know that love these type of conversations, these type of podcasts. They're very interesting. You learn from them, and they're fun, and they're funny. There's so much going on. Tell these people that you know. Word of mouth, it's so powerful. Tell these people that you know. Midnightonearth.com. Thank you so much, people. I really appreciate you doing that for me. I know I do this every single episode. I have to keep doing it because it gets it in your consciousness to do that for me. And then we grow together and this podcast gets bigger and bigger and bigger. We have a special guest with us in this premiere Beyond the News episode. The one and only from Vital Force Herbs, ladies and gentlemen, Bryn Anderson. Will you say hello, Bryn? (laughs) Hi, everybody. Yeah, I'm so glad you're here with us today, Brent. You were just here with us last week when we did an incredible lecture episode about the goddess factor in world religions and how uh, the divine feminine shows up in various places. You were so generous to come back yet again because you're such a good cohort for me, a co-host. You're such a fantastic co-host. So you agreed to come back again and do this Beyond on the news episode in the same way. Just kind of be there with me, read these articles, talk about what we're finding and see how, you know, we can uh, grow from that. Learn something or just laugh if it's stupid as hell. Yeah,
1: I'm excited to check out this new format and see what these articles you've dug
0: up. Well, you know, dug it's, up. it's just things that fall in the frequency of midnight on Earth.
1: I can see that from some of the titles.
0: <laughs> it's a laid-back episode. You know, we're we're checking these things out together. We're having fun. It's funny. It's strange. We're doing it together. And it's new. So as the next Beyond the News episodes premiere, as they go year after year after year, episode after episode, they'll get better and better. And you'll remember this first episode, and maybe it's terrible compared to the other ones. I don't know. I have a feeling it's just fine. But Brynn, how's everything with Final Force Herbs? Just checking in with you real quick. Since last week, I'm sure not much has changed.
1: <laughs> not much has changed. I am a few uh, jars further down the road in my current project. You're just but pressing it, away. Yeah, pressing away. You have yep.
0: pressing issues.
1: <laughs> Indeed. But I can put them on hold for a minute to check out... The wacky news of the world here with you.
0: Epic. Well, I guess we should just go ahead and dive right in. We have a bunch of stories lined up, and we're just going to rip through them. We're going to talk about them. Maybe we'll get to them all. Maybe we won't. Let's just see how it goes. Here we go. Beyond the news. First one right off the bat from the International Business Times, UFO Signings. In the U.S., surged during the COVID nineteen lockdown. With more time in their hands, in their hands, I thought it was on their hands. Who's writing this crap? More time, <laughs> more time, in, time their in their hands? hands. I don't know anybody that has time in their hands. Okay,
1: <laughs> with more, it's new.
0: With more time in their hands, because of lockdowns brought about by the pandemic, people have been reporting more UFO sightings to authorities, according to the National UFO Reporting Center. New fork i don't know if i know that one i only know mufon i don't know new fork yet there has been a significant increase in the number of ufo sightings since the first few months of the pandemic last year Mm. new fork revealed that it has received about 600 reported sightings in the united states in february 2020 only slightly higher than its average number of reports So what are they complaining about then? Like What are they saying?
1: No, later look, read one more paragraph down. Okay. 816 by March and then 1,040 more in April. Oh, okay. So the following months.
0: Okay, so it jumped. Average is about 454. Had about 816 by March and then 1,040 by April. It seems like they're all there always, right? But then people are at home, they're, not focused on whatever they're thinking about. They have some freed up energy. They're looking up. They're seeing chemtrails. They're seeing uh, UFOs more often than they did before. That doesn't really uh, make any kind of nonsense to me. It makes perfect sense to me. It seems perfectly normal. I I don't understand. What do you think, Bryn?
1: Well, yeah, people are home. People are spending more time out in their yards. People have been working on their houses. So... Seems natural that they might look up and uh, see some more stuff going on in the sky.
0: Well, there is.
1: But I'm sure, yeah, like you said, it's going on all the time. It's just that we're usually too busy to notice.
0: Well, let's get back again to the International Business Times. There's a debate right now because a 15th century painting features a UFO, it's a painting of the Madonna. Conspiracy theorists have long claimed that aliens have been visiting Earth for hundreds of thousands of years. According to these conspiracy theorists, cave paintings that depict alien-like creatures and flying saucers could be indicating that ancient humans have seen extraterrestrial events. Really? No kidding. And now, an alleged UFO spotted in a Madonna painting has once again triggered alien debate among netizens. Who made up that word? Netizens? Come on. So there it is. There is a painting. Look at that. It's a very famous painting. Just yeah. click Madonna UFO on Google. You'll find it.
1: It almost looks like a Madonna little. Madonna
0: and Child, it's called, from yeah. the 1400s. And in the background, you can see very distinct craft. Couldn't be anything else but that. I mean, of course, the aliens have been watching us the entire time. They're with us. They're watching us. They've been watching us. We're just growing in time. We're not the most advanced thing out there. Pretty simple to think about.
1: Yeah, I like how in the bottom of the painting, you know, it shows the Madonna in the foreground. And then in the background, you can see this guy and his dog with his hand up, looking up at the sky at this craft, which almost looks boat-like. It could be...
0: It's a sky boat.
1: It's a sky boat. Noah's Ark in the sky. I don't know. It's interesting. But uh, definitely suspect for sure.
0: Okay. Well, let's switch over to a little spirituality. Okay. Talk about Jesus for a second. All right. Man says he's Jesus Christ, tries to shatter Florida gas station door with a brick. Ah. Oh. Dude, W.W.J.D. Well, I know, what
1: would Jesus do? I, not that. Uh, I don't think he would Well, Well, there's a
0: twist to this, oh, because okay. a man was caught trying to shatter a glass station door with a brick Wednesday morning, according to the Monroe County Sheriff's Office. A witness saw Stephen Allen Wacoff, 36, trying to break in the Chevron gas station at around 4 a.m. He told detective his name was David Christ. And then he said his name was Jesus Christ. Here's what I want to know. First of all, Jesus Christ. Second of all, why does it always have to be Jesus? These schizophrenic people, what's happening to them internally that they tap into some sort of third eye awakening experience yet completely filter it through their ego? And it's always Jesus. I For mean, Santa. Well, I mean, <laughs> Sometimes. statistically, maybe some people out there But statistically, it seems like all these schizophrenic people, they always fall back on the Jesus archetype. Why isn't it Buddha? How many schizophrenics are Mohammed? I want to know, in Islamic countries, are there schizophrenic people running around saying they're Mohammed? Or do they just instantly get executed?
1: That's a good question. Because it's always Jesus.
0: And it's never Buddha. What's wrong with Buddha? Why can't crazy people be Buddha? I've it's,
1: never heard of anyone doing that. It's, it's, you, it's, true. And you,
0: it's really interesting. Why does it always have to be Jesus? You know? Maybe
1: because of the persecution aspect or something. Maybe they feel like there's some sort of, like you said, they're filtering it through their ego. Maybe there's some sort of like persecution and then they're coming back to save people, like in their mind of like, I don't know. I I can't really. So they're the hero. They want to be the hero
0: of their illusion, their movie, their life story. But it's always Jesus. I mean, why can't it be like Thor? You know, like how many schizophrenic guys you see downtown that are like, I'm Thor. I'm Odin. (laughs) You know, here's my hammer. And it's like a Home Depot hammer, you know.
1: Yeah, I don't know. You might have to dig into that further. I'm not sure.
0: Well, speaking of digging, uh, let's Uh talk about how some remains were found recently. It's pretty interesting. This comes from, where does this come from? The Hans India, first century B.C., Buddhist remains found in Gunter. Somebody did some digging. Buddhist remains belonging to first century B.C. Buddhists have been surfaced while digging the foundation of Bhavagani Ashram at Puram in Taluru, Mandal of Guntur District. And if I said that wrong, I'm sorry. Based on the information provided by the ashram officials, Dr. E. Sivangareni, Buddhist archaeologist and CEO, CEO of Cultural Center of Vajjawada and Amaravati. Visit on Monday and examine the remains. He noticed a conical cup of ball polished ware inserted into a red ware stand of the Iron Age. Pitch shreds of red ware, terracotta tiles once covered the roofs of the Buddhist virus. So they found him. You know, he's, uh, he's, he's a Buddhist. He's found, he was dug up. You know, they're finding these people, they're out there. First century BC it proves that Buddha. I mean, we already knew Buddha was before Jesus, right? So, could Jesus be like the the Jewish version of Buddha? I mean, if you have this figure that's similar in behavior, similar in actions, and it's after I don't know, like who who started what and when. Here's something that I think is interesting. It's very topical. Okay. I'm sure you all heard of the shoes, the satanic shoes that the rapper Little Nas X created with a company called Mischief with a bunch of missing letters. They weren't actually made by Nike, so they custom-made the shoes. They made 666 pairs, and they had the quote from Luke 10.18, about Satan's fall from heaven. So then they priced it that way. They were $1,018 a pair. They sold out in seconds. All 666 shoes. So they made close to a million dollars. Man, is Nike pissed because they feel like it makes them look bad. They are saying they don't release the shoes. They didn't design them. They don't endorse them. What do you think, Brent?
1: So was it put out originally that they were by Nike?
0: It was very much put out that they were. Oh, they do have a on
1: them. Look at that.
0: Because they're custom Nikes, and they actually put a drop of blood in each.
1: Yeah, what's up with shoe. that?
0: Well, somebody put a drop of blood in the little liquid Where's pouch, the and then they resealed it in from. the air pouch.
1: Whose blood is
0: it? The guy from the shoe factory. Great. So that's what. Uh, That's what's going on with that. I'm so sick of this crap. I'm so sick of the feuding polarities, okay? That's all it really is. Let's talk about feuding polarities because you have these people. They're super hung up on Jesus. They're super hung up on Christianity. They get kind of closed-minded. They throw up the blinders. They cut off the mystical stuff. They cut off some of the contradictory stuff. They get very focused on it, and then you have the people that are grown up and that, that are born in it, like little Nas X. He was a homosexual. He is a homosexual, so he feels very repressed. He felt tortured. He felt like he was taught to hate himself and not just embrace his homosexuality as he should. And because of that, he lashed back at the religion he grew up in. That's his story. Okay. But I'm so sick of people getting hung up on the polarity. Okay, so you don't agree with a religion. So you go find the ultimate negative polarity in that religion and then focus your spiritual energy on that. How is that functional? How is that positive? I don't think there's anything that really comes out of that that's good because the polarity of these religious figures is always rooted in this concept of evil negativity. Maybe you don't like the positive polarity based on that cultural archetype or that religion or whatever, it doesn't mean you have to go wallow in shit because you want to rebel against how you grew up and the religion that your parents had and, and the repressive things that came from that religion, because there's so much repression that comes from organized religion. We know that we know that organized religion is a whole hodgepodge of bad translations and misinterpreted metaphors. Any intelligent person with an open mind can figure that out. But it doesn't mean you should just go wallow in shit and decide that you want to funnel your spiritual energy into the dark aspects of whatever that religion is. I'm sorry that people do that. I'm sorry it's promoted in our media. I'm sorry people like Little Nossex X feels like he needs to lash out that way. Very much like Aleister Crowley in the 1800s. I'm sorry he has to feel that way. He can come back to love. He does not need to propagate imagery that is just negative. It's It's just negative. It's
1: just more anger and hate. He just seems like he's lashing out at this thing, but it's not really furthering anything positive for his life either. Interesting. All right. Uh, Where do you go from there?
0: Well, let's go back to UFOs. Let's talk about the COVID bill. People are confused about this. So there was this COVID relief bill. And in the pork, as they call it, in the extra (laughs) attachments to the bill that allows funding to go to different programs and they use those things as bargaining chips, the left side, the right side. It's all the same side. It's just one uniparty, if you happen to notice. They seem to be doing the same thing in a different way. But I don't do politics. But in that bill, there was a talk about how they had to release UFO information. So here's the Washington Post, and the headline reads, Thanks to Trump-era COVID relief bill, a UFO report may soon be public. And it'll be big, ex-official says. Really? ex officials. (laughs) Yeah. That was his last day. He's running his mouth now. He's fired. (laughs) He got fired. He's running his mouth now. Okay, here we go. Last year's gargantuan $2.3 trillion appropriations bill. A couple of various obvious things. It provided millions of Americans badly needed coronavirus relief aid and it averted an impending government shutdown. It also dealt with UFOs. The legislation, which President Donald Trump signed into law, was a bureaucratic nesting doll that ran more than 5,500 pages and contained the Intelligence Authorization Act fiscal year 2021, which itself carried an unusual provision in its committee comment section beneath the understated heading Advanced Aerial Threats. The stipulation mandates that the Director of National Intelligence Work, with the Secretary of Defense, on a report detailing everything the government knows about UFOs, known in agency lingo as uh, Unidentified Aerial phenomena. It must be made public, and when it is, it will be big, former Intelligence Director John Ratcliffe said in a recent interview. Frankly, there are a lot more sightings that have been made public, Ratcliffe told Fox News, and it's just one of those things that's another step towards disclosure. The countdown began on December 27th. It was a 180-day countdown. Six months from December 27th, So all the UFO information has to be released. But they say that every single time. It's just like the JFK information. They push it back. It's sensitive. It's sensitive to national security. It's going to come out this day. That day comes, oh, oops, well, we have to black it out. We have to hide it again. We have to figure out a way to re-legislate all of that information into the classified category once again so you don't get to see it. After all these years, I don't really have my hopes up. That much. That June is going to be this month June of total is exposure. Be this total disclosure month of all the UFOs. I don't think so. They've been just getting a little bit out here and there, getting people ready. It's coming, but when? I don't know. I don't know. And next, we go to Politico: Military and spy agencies accused of stiff-arming investigators on UFO sightings. A public accounting is proving to be An onerous job of trying to get everyone to come clean, one government advisor said. Well, this isn't really new news, even though this is all within the last week. Here we go. The truth may be out there, but don't expect the feds to share what they know anytime soon on the recent spate of UFO sightings. Some military and spy agencies are blocking or simply ignoring the effort to catalog what they have on unidentified aerial phenomenon, according to multiple current and former government officials and as a result will likely delay a much anticipated public report to Congress. This is exactly what I was just saying. That would
1: be the June report.
0: I think so. This is exactly what I'm just saying. Look, yeah, June 25th, the Senate intelligence committee has asked the director of national intelligence to work with the defense department to provide a public accounting by June 25th on unexplained signings of advanced aerial aircraft and drones that have been reported by military personnel or captured by radar, satellites, or other surveillance systems. The request came after revelations in 2017 that the Pentagon was researching a series of unexplained intrusions into military airspace, including high-performance vehicles captured on video stalking Navy ships. I saw that video. You've seen that video, I believe, right, where they watch the high-speed craft skimming over the ocean and they released that in about yes. 2017.
1: Uh-huh. Yes, I do remember that. And you
0: hear the pilot's voice. He's cursed. I was like, whoa, my whoa, God.
1: What's going on? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that one, uh, that seemed to be the watershed. It triggered a bunch of really interesting, uh, really interesting stuff. Well, they have a new drug now. Guess what it does? <laughs> what? It regenerates guess? your lost teeth. Oh. This is from Eureka Alerts. I don't even know if that's a word, but it's a website. .org. Eureka New drug to regenerate lost teeth. The Tooth Fairy is a welcome guest for any child who has lost a tooth. Not only will the fairy leave a small gift under the pillow, but the child can be assured of a new tooth in a few months. Same cannot be said of adults who have lost their teeth. That's sad. (laughs) I
1: know. But a new study
0: by scientists of Kyoto University and the University of Foucault, however, may offer some hope. The team reports that an antibody for one gene, uterine sensitization-associated gene 1, oh, I know that one, USAG1, one, can stimulate tooth growth in mice suffering from tooth agenesis, congenital condition. Interesting. So now they're saying that they have the ability to grow teeth back by suppressing the USAG1 gene. Here we go, it's one of the doctors. We knew that suppressing the gene benefits tooth growth. What we did not know was whether it would be enough, but it was, and it's growing. Look, let's lose some teeth, we'll grow them back. If my teeth get too dirty, I can just knock them out and get some of these mice teeth Let's repress those genes. So then there's that. So there's the tooth. How about BBC News? Psychedelic therapy could reset depressed brain. We've had some guests on that have talked about psychedelic therapy, Psychedelic Society of Portland. Of course, Ken Babs, legendary psychedelic guy. But here we go. This is from BBC News. A powerful hallucinogenic drug known for its part in shamanic rituals is being trialed as a potential cure for depression for the first time. Participants will be given the drug DMT, followed by talking therapy. Isn't that like what a podcast is? It is (laughs) hoped that this could offer an alternative for the significant number of people who don't respond to conventional pills for depression. I don't respond to conventional pills for depression. Give me... The DMT, psychedelic-assisted therapy might offer longer-term relief from symptoms, some researchers believe. A growing body of evidence indicates other psychedelic drugs, particularly alongside talking therapy, are safe and can be effective for treating a range of mental illnesses. This will be the first time DMT is given to people with moderate to severe depression in a clinical trial. Wow, this is really awesome. Look, we know that DMT is a very powerful substance. It's in our brain. When we come into this earth, we're tripping on DMT. It's activated in our brain. When we're dying, we die. It's also activated. When we're dreaming, it's activated. So sometimes there's these portals that open up. People talk about being abducted. During
1: childbirth.
0: By aliens, by childbirth. So now, of course, DMT is being given to people that are suffering from depression. Let me tell you about my experience with DMT, and depression. I've noticed that if you take a little bit of DMT, that not the vapor pens that they have now, but just the orange kind of salty, synthetic, but very pure, but in that salt kind of crystalline form, you just take like a couple little salt kernels like a few salt kernels, like not even really that much, not not a lot, and you sprinkle it on some cannabis and you just take a couple tokes. I mean, barely any DMT here, but it's just enough to open you up and it instantly waxes anxiety. It's really good to get out of those depressive frequencies. It waxes depression instantly. So it only makes sense that this is one of the drugs that they're uh, testing. What do you think about that, Brent? I
1: think it's pretty phenomenal. Um, first of all, because it's not a drug; it's actually just a component of the human brain, right? Probably other animals' brains as well. All um, over the place, as they're in saying, nature. it's a spirit molecule. I mean, it's it's an essential part, I think, of our connection to the spirit world, and so to use. Something that takes you back to yourself, without all the layers that you know you've put on yourself, that society has put on you, that you know, religion, morals, what, whatever, all the things you've grown up with, um, that have sort of encased you in whatever troubles you have, and you're able to just go back to the source and see yourself without all that. And I think it lets you step back a little bit. And be able to process it in a different way. And it seems like the depression drugs are more of a band-aid of symptoms rather than a getting to the source of why you feel the way you do and resolving it. So I think it seems pretty awesome and it's right on the heels of uh, psilocybin for therapeutic depression use and PTSD as well. So which makes sense because those are really just the mushroom forms of DMT. Um, So, yeah, it looks like uh, they're following a golden thread there, looking at a new way of um, helping people's mental health. It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I think it's hitting that core space. When you're taking a substance like DMT, you're going right to the core of the source, and you're strengthening that connection with the source frequency. So it seems like that would be the most healing situation. And speaking of dreaming... This is from Science News. Let's segue into the next article. Science News. This is at ScienceDaily.com. Real-time dialogue with a dreaming person is possible. Dreams take us to what feels like a different reality. They also happen while we're fast asleep. So you may not expect that a person in the midst of a vivid dream would be able to perceive questions and provide answers to them. Oh, yeah, well, what about Edgar Casey? But a new study reported in the journal Current Biology shows in fact that they can. We found that individuals in REM sleep, REM, not Michael Stipe, but you know, a REM sleep can interact, rapid eye movement sleep can interact with an experimenter engage in real-time communication, said senior author Ken Poller of Northwestern University. We also showed that dreamers are capable of comprehending questions. Engaging in working memory operations and producing answers. Wow. Most people might predict that this would not be possible, that people would either wake up when asked a question or fail to answer and certainly not comprehend a question without misconstruing it. While dreams are a common experience, scientists still haven't adequately explained them. Relying on a person's recounting of dreams is also fraught with distortions and forgotten details. I know, even dream journals are... You don't get everything. So Pauler and colleagues (laughs) decided to attempt communication with people during lucid dreams. The researchers studied 36 people who aim to have a lucid dream in which a person is aware that they're dreaming. The paper is unusual. That includes four independently conducted experiments using different approaches to achieve a similar goal. In addition to the group at Northwestern University in the U.S., one group conducted studies at Sorbonne University in France, one at Ostnabruck University in Germany, and one at Rabound University Medical Center in the Netherlands. We put together the results because we felt that the combination of results from four different labs using different approaches most convincingly attests to the reality of this phenomenon of two way communication. Wow, said so Karen Conkley. PhD student at Northwestern University, the first author of the paper. This way we see that different means can be used to communicate. Wow, this is really interesting. So you can communicate with someone that's dreaming. Is that like you focus on them individually? Mm -hmm. They don't really talk about the methods that they used. They're just talking about that they can do it.
1: Right, you're actually communicating with someone in the dream time which would seem like what a dream journal would be the closest like oh i woke up and i remembered my dream and i wrote it down that's the quickest thing but for someone else to be able to tap in and say where are you what are you doing or you know whatever the questions are that's really interesting
0: you think about edgar casey they say he's the sleeping prophet he was taking all kinds of questions when he was in a sleep state 85% Right. 85% accuracy, he was able to diagnose people's medical conditions. There's so much that guy was able to do. He talked about Atlantis. I mean, he was all over the place in his sleep state. So perhaps these people who wrote this article need to do a little more research. Maybe they'd learn about Edgar Cayce.
1: Yeah, maybe reading about him sparked the uh, experiment.
0: You know, we talked earlier about how there's been a trickle of information that's slowly getting more and more and more about how UFOs are interacting with U.S. military and then they're declassifying that information. It's becoming public. So another shred of information, another shred of information has come out and this is from the New York Post. The headline reads, UFOs harassed U.S. warships off California. Mysterious flying objects r- repeatedly harassed three U.S. warships off the coast of California in 2019, at one point matching the speed and bearing of one destroyer for 90 minutes, Whoa. according to newly released details from the ship's logs. Captain's log. <laughs> There's a ship following minutes? us. 90 minutes. It's been following us for 90 minutes. The unidentified craft, described in the logs as unmanned aerial vehicles, buzzed three destroyers for several days, according to the records obtained by the new site The Drive through the U.S. Freedom of Information Act. As many as six of the drones swarmed around the USS Kidd, USS Rafael Peralta, and USS John Finn. Over several days in July 2019, at times performing brazen maneuvers, the report said. White lights identified hovering over ship's flight deck said, What are the entry into the log? Two UAVs, unidentified aerial vehicles, spotted off the starboard wing, the Rafael Peralta log read, followed by more. The sightings took place. While the warships were engaged in military exercises about 100 miles off the coast of Los Angeles, well beyond the res- well beyond the range of conventional drones.
1: Dang.
0: And you know, there it last, is. I mean it's coming out more and more. Last month, the FBI confirmed it had received a report from American Airlines that a long, cylindrical object was over New Mexico. Thirty seven thousand feet. It just keeps going. At one point do we realize it's like a freaking galactic super highway out there. There's just ships and beings going so fast and it's all around us. We're just not at the perceptive abilities to see it. These machines are moving faster than our equipment can perceive them. That's why we don't see them in a way. All the time.
1: Right, and why maybe they're caught in still photos. You know, you don't see it with your naked eye, but then you're able to catch something on a, on a photo.
0: That's wild. Well, you know, there's that report coming in June. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what it see says. We'll see what it says.
1: It'll just be a summary of all these articles we've already read, the things that are out. Yeah. Probably.
0: Yeah. Well, here's something that's not necessarily about anything paranormal. It, it is kind of cool. One of the biggest museums in the world. I think it's called pronounced the Louvre no. L- Louver. <laughs> the Lou. The Lou. No.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, whoops. She got me everyone.
1: <laughs> April Fools.
0: Yes. Great job, Britt. They've digitized four hundred and eighty-two thousand pieces of artwork and you can go visit it online. It's pretty interesting because you don't have to go to this museum. You can go check out their collection virtually. So one, here we go. One of the world's most massive museums has announced an encompassing digitization of its vast collection. The Louvre. How do you pronounce that word? It's dusting off its treasures, even the least known, said Jean-Luc Martinez, president and director of the Musee de in a statement on Friday. For the first time, anyone can access the entire collection of works from a computer smartphone for free whether they are on display in the museum on loan even long term or in storage
1: wow so they went through and digitized everything even what was in storage i know uh, a lot of museums i mean really there's only like 10 percent of what they have that's actually on display at a time so you can see the other 90 percent. that was that's uh pretty incredible actually
0: yeah, it's almost incredible <laughs> as the next article that we're about to say. <laughs> this could seg. be
1: more incredible, actually.
0: Living robots. Oh my god. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta take a breath after that one. I have tea here. I have something I'm smoking. I'm gonna smoke this. Hold on just one second, people, and we'll go to the next we're gonna go to the next article. Newscientist.com. Living robots made from frog skin cells. And sense their environment. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? The robot frog skin cells. Here we go. They're called Xenobots. A microscopic living robot that can heal and power itself has been created out of frog skin cells. Xenobots, named after the frog species Xenopus laevis, the cells come from, were first described last year. Now the team behind the robots has improved their design and demonstrated new capabilities. To create the spherical xenobots, Michael Levin at Tufts University in Massachusetts and his colleagues extracted tissue from 24-hour-old frog embryos, which formed into spherzoid structures after minimal physical manipulation. Here's a quote from him. The fundamental finding here is that when you liberate skin cells from their normal context and you give them a chance to reimagine their multicellularity, they can build other things than what they normally build. To me, one of the most exciting things here is the plasticity. This guy's just loving his job. He loved these frog skin cells. (laughs) (laughs) The idea that even normal Uh cells not genetically modified with a normal frog genome are in fact capable of building something completely different is amazing. The xenobots, which are between a quarter and a half a millimeter in size, op- operate in robot swarms, meaning that a group of individual xenobots can work together to complete a task. What this is of, absolutely insane.
1: What kind of task can they complete, I wonder?
0: Like repairing tissue. Like, let's say you break a bone. Okay. And, and in you your release
1: body. these xenobots. Well, they're into already body. there.
0: Maybe they're already there. Or, yeah, you put them in. They're programmed to regenerate. They're programmed to fix the problem
1: their cells no neurons so it's not an animal interesting that is very
0: interesting so much news there's so much interesting stuff out there
1: I don't know yes I don't know something about the messing around with the f- frog embryos though.
0: well they say the word robots though and they use these words like xenobots but really what they're doing is just programming the cells to function in a certain way And then giving it a fancy name, like, oh, robot, bro. Okay, it's you with your consciousness as a human made this natural thing perform in a way that's not normally how it performs in in a stationary kind of, I guess, robotic way. Doesn't mean it's robotic. It's just used that way to make it seem cooler. (laughs) Speaking of cooler, there's just more cool stuff Is as we search for alien life, like I said, it's a galactic superhighway out there. So much going on. Going to the Wall Street Journal now, where they talk about how the search for alien life moves well beyond Mars. If life does exist beyond Earth, be it primitive or advanced, scientists say they may find a trace of it soon. They've already found it. (laughs) Why are they doing this? This is such. Why am I reading this? This is crap. <laughs> this is not even real information. This is propaganda. They they have they've had the UFOs for decades. They've had the alien interactions. They they found the evidence of ancient aliens in our in our prehistory. It's all out there. Don't tell me in 2021 they're they're still looking to find a piece of bacteria flying around from a comet. They're going to call that life. It's bull. It's bull. It's bull. It's bull. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. On Mars, a robotic rover called Perseverance is searching for life from the dawn of time. Scientists, though, are looking for life signs in even stranger places from clouds on Venus and methane lakes on Titan to the alien atmospheres of worlds circling distant stars. They're scanning for alien radio signals seeking signs of industrial pollution on faraway exoplanets and scrutinizing puzzling interstellar objects that have intercepted our solar system.
1: Because other alien life forms would be just like us and spewing out industrial pollution? That's the... Uh...
0: Uh, I think that they just <laughs> use those words, just some sort of byproduct of using materials, and they just call it industrial pollution because they want us to think that our industrial pollution is somehow normal. That's how they're in space. There's aliens. Look, they got factories. It's industrial pollution. It's normal. Shut up about how it's destroying the environment. Shut up about how it's causing male birth rates to decline and and, and sperm cell counts. Shut up about industrial pollution. It's all over it's the universe. Normal. It's all <laughs> over the universe, you simple human. Okay, It's a galactic superhighway of junk and industrial pollution out there. Get with the freaking program. Here we go. Here's a quote from Seth Shostak about it. Very famous guy. Talking about looking for life, even intelligent life, this may be the special time, says Seth Shostak, senior astronomer at the SETI Institute, a nonprofit in Mountain View, California that searches for intelligent beings. We have the technological capability to find life on other worlds, and that ability is improving. I bet, with technology. Now here's the kicker, guys. Think of all the different Things that are out there. All the different problems that we're facing in the world. Listen to this statement. To advance its search for primitive life, NASA is preparing a $4.25 billion mission to Europa and Jupiter for launch in 2024 20, or so to study whether the moon's frozen oceans and ice volcanoes are favorable for alien biology. 2027 the agency plans to send its $1 billion Dragonfly mission to a moon of Saturn called Titan to analyze its lakes of liquid methane. We think Titan has all the ingredients for life, says planetary scientist Sarah Horst at Johns Hopkins University, who studies alien atmospheres. 5.2 billion dollars total to see if there's methane on Saturn's moon. I, okay, look. <laughs> People, I love scientific advancement. I want humans to advance. I want the knowledge that's out there. I want us to improve. I want us to grow. We can take that $5 billion and spend it on other things. I don't need to know if there's methane in the ice on Europa right now. Let's fix homelessness. Let's f- make sure that all of our brothers and sisters of the human family, all of our non-binary Family members, every human being. Let's make sure we're all taken care of. Five billion dollars to shoot some stuff off into space to find methane. I'll give you all the methane you need. Give me four dollars and twenty five cents. I'll give you some methane. You don't have <laughs> to find methane on give Europa. It no. Like it's okay. We it, it's okay if bacteria is making methane on Europa. We'll figure it out later. We don't need to spend that $5.25 billion on that right this second. Can we move on to a different thing? Is there something else?
1: Well, it just makes me think about how when people want to avoid their issues and problems, they look outward and go far out, and everything starts at home and within So, yeah, we could fix some things on our five billion dollars and maybe worry about the methane (laughs) on some moon so many miles away later. 500 bucks, (laughs)
0: like 500 bucks is my cutoff. That's your cutoff.
1: That's it. You know, get one of
0: those those like rockets that they strap a GI Joe guy to and they just like take it off into space, shoot that thing towards Mars. 500 bucks will do a good rocket, have a little camera on it five point whatever billion dollars people. Come on, think about that for a second. And here's another thing I want you to think about. Every day they just create new things. There's over 500 planetary objects in our solar, solar system. Our solar system. Think about that for a second. In our solar system, there's over 500 planetary objects. Some of these, planetary objects these dwarf planets are ones you've never heard of and they have moons you didn't even know this there's more than nine planets there's over 400 close to 500 planetary objects in our solar system our solar system meaning
1: they're orbiting our sun
0: yeah they're floating around there's 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 huge huge planetary objects but you were always told what were you always told? You were told that there was nine planets.
1: Or eight, depending on which year you were told.
0: And yeah, depending on when you were born, it's eight planets. It's absolutely right, Bryn. So they come up with new stuff all the time. And you learn new things. And as we progress as humans, we, we learn more. So here's one more thing that is new. Now they're saying that there's another planet inside of Earth. So this is both from Popular Mechanics and The Observer both wrote articles about this within the last couple of days. Let's start with Popular Mechanics' version of the story. Their headline reads, An alien world might be hiding inside Earth, study says. Dense spots buried deep beneath the surface might actually be chunks of an ancient planet. In new research, scientists speculate that Earth was formed by a Mars-sized rogue planet known as Theia, T-H-E-I-A, Theia. They already came up with a name for it. Like, how did they, who, who got to choose that? With identifiable bits of an alien planet still found in Earth's interior. Scientists believe the same fateful impact also formed the moon. But this is the first time they've studied the specific traces of the clash that remains between the Earth's mantle and this object. In 2016 UCLA researchers proposed that Earth could actually be two planets that fuse together after colliding. Itself, I guess like Earth, and Theia. Oh man, this is like heavy information. Let we're going to talk about the spiritual implications of this after that I finish reading this. At the time, scientists say they believe the two planetary masses mixed together uniformly. Now, Yan Yan of Arizona State University and his colleagues suggest the mysterious dense spots in Earth's interior are the specific pieces of Theia that are still intact. Wow. That's really interesting. Okay, here let's take let's talk about this for a second. So, we always talk about these archetypes. Literally last episode, we were talking about the goddess archetype. Okay. So, we have this union of these two divine energies, the god energy, that masculine divine masculine and the goddess energy A divine feminine. What if Gaia, our planet, Earth, is the feminine version, like a feminine planet? Let's just say a feminine planet. Feels like a feminine planet. We're just going to say a feminine planet, Gaia, Earth is a feminine planet. And then Theia was this masculine planet. It was like full of volcanoes and explosions, very aggressive. It was just a chaotic, active planet. And somehow, in order for all the elements to be present, for life to evolve, especially life that evolved into humanity, what if it took those two planets, the masculine planet and the feminine planet, uniting, smashing together, to make this unified divine earth as we know it now, which then gave birth to us? Bryn, what do you think about that?
1: I I can't really say why not. Also, we talked about in that last episode uh, that there was always that... Um, there was always the trinity of the father, the mother, the child. You know what that Manly P. Hall was talking about? And this is also saying right. that the moon was born of the earth and Thea. Whoa! So that's... There you go. So there you've got the father, the mother, and the Whoa. child. Yeah! <laughs>
0: A whole oh my different goodness. thing. Okay, so the moon is the child. Thea is the father, or it could be the mother. We're just gonna, in this it hypothesis. It seems like Earth is saying, the mother, but yeah. In this yeah. hypothesis, we're saying Thea is, is the male. Earth is the female. The moon is the child. Whoa, man, woman, child. Wrap your <laughs> head around that. That's a big one. You know it's even bigger than that? Bigfoot. There's a bouncy out for our old friend Sasquatch. That guy just can't,
1: bouncy. you know, get a rest.
0: He can't catch a break.
1: No, not at all.
0: Bigfoot matters. Bigfoot is a being who has a life. He's a spiritual being. Could he's be been the, on the run. He's been on the run for a long time. Could be part alien DNA. Could be an earlier iteration of humanity surviving Neanderthaler. Some form of cryptozoology, I just don't know. But what I do know is there's a big-ass bounty for this guy. Let's go to 12, Fox News 12 in Oklahoma, where the Bigfoot bounty now tops 2.1 million dollars i want to go hunting for bigfoot i'm gonna let him go
1: who's paying that is that oklahoma that's paying that
0: it's uh big bucks actually it's a different guy <laughs> he's uh, is a different guy it's you know he's, he's got a lot tired of, money. of uh, he doesn't like bigfoot he, he's got all the money here we go oklahoma district 19 representative justin humphrey first introduced a bigfoot bounty bill in january that has now grown to over 2.1 million dollars for catching Bigfoot alive. Good deed entertainment owns the movie 15 things you didn't know about Bigfoot. Number one will blow your mind and it's offering a $100,000 reward for catching Bigfoot. It's been astronomical. What response we've had? Justin Humphrey said some of those people are concerned. I've tried to set their mind at ease that, Hey, this is all about tourism. This is all about bringing people into our area. You didn't think it was a big deal. If his mom was Bigfoot, he would care. If he was dating Bigfoot, also, he would care.
1: Are you you want to bring in tourism on the basis of hunting for something? That seems kind of sketchy.
0: It's the script for a really bad 80s movie about <laughs> Bigfoot. It's just really <laughs> bad. But so, you- now, yeah, so now, yes, and now the prize has expanded. It's growing. It's up to 2.1%. Million dollars.
1: Did you catch what he said? It's an ultimately really happy accident that the release date for the film was timed with the uh yeah, yeah, sure. beginning of the bill.
0: Yeah, it's all an accident, I'm uh-huh. sure.
1: Happy accident at that.
0: Uh, yeah, for happy unless you're Bigfoot. If you're Bigfoot, you're really pissed, let me tell you.
1: Or you're just leaving Oklahoma, I guess. I don't know.
0: Well, if I talk about Bigfoot, I can't help but not talk about the other Giant ass monster that everybody knows worldwide. That's right, Nessie, the Loch Ness monster. Another sighting has happened just yesterday and this comes from singular40in.com, Singular 40 incom singular 40 Society. Dark shape filmed moving in Loch Ness. Mark's second official sighting by Team Nessie in 2021. On March 22nd, Kalen Wangle of YouTube channel Team Nessie shared a video taken from a webcam overlooking Loch Ness in which a dark object appears to move beneath the surface of the loch before surfacing, only to disappear from view behind a tree. Wangle, an American, shared the footage after finding it via a live webcam hosted by Nessie on the net a website devoted to the Loch Ness monster. Seems like you can just watch Loch Ness and see if you see anything. Here we go. On the lovely day of March 17th, a dark shape appears very close to the shore, and it's seen moving from left to right. At first, it moves slow like a wave, but as it moves closer to the tree, it seems as though the dark shape has surfaced for a few seconds, or maybe it's swimming just below it. Once it moves behind the tree, it doesn't come back," says Wangle of the video. I'm looking at the video; it's you just kind of see a figure, a log. It could be Nessie. It could be the Loch Ness monster. People are still there watching it. They're looking for it. What's going to happen when they find it? It's kind of like, what do you do now? You found <laughs> it. Now there's nothing to do. There. Uh, what do you do?
1: So interesting, though. More. Nessie sightings, more Bigfoot sightings, going along with the UFO sightings perhaps in these last few months.
0: People are just home and they're looking at stuff.
1: Imagine that what happens when you look at stuff. They're paying
0: attention to things that they normally wouldn't have. They're paying attention to the outside world. They're not caught up in the grind, the daily grind, their hustle, whatever they're doing to achieve a better world for themselves and those around them. They're taking a minute to breathe. And they're looking out their window. They're seeing Bigfoot. (laughs) They're seeing the Loch Ness Monster. They're seeing UFOs. They're seeing all the things that have been out there the whole time, people. They're already been out there. COVID's just slowing everybody down. Slowing everybody down just a little bit. Not like getting him stoned, but just slowing them down a little bit. Speaking of getting stoned, here's the interesting piece of good news. We've had some marijuana activists on. Paul Stanford, Will Grinnell. I consider myself a marijuana activist because I enjoy marijuana. It makes me feel spiritual. I enjoy smoking it. I enjoy eating it. I enjoy uh, smearing it on my skin. I, 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 what else can you do with it? I don't know if they have a suppository. I haven't tried that. I don't know if I will. But the good news is, this is from businessinsider.com. New Yorkers with previous marijuana convictions will have their records wiped clean under the new legalization law All right. Hey, look at that. New York governor signed a law Wednesday that legalizes marijuana use for adults. Yay. It allows for adults to possess up to three ounces of marijuana in New York. That's pretty amazing. So if you have criminal records, you're going to get expunged. The criminal records of people previously convicted of marijuana-related crimes in New York will be expunged under a new law passed in the state. The New York governor signed the bill into law on Wednesday, legalizing marijuana for adults across the state. The new law will allow New Yorkers to possess three ounces of marijuana or less and will let them grow up to three marijuana plants at home. Anyone previously convicted of marijuana possession under the now legal limit will have their convictions expunged and they will be resentenced, according to ABC News. So what happens when they get resentenced? Like they gotta go through the whole process? So they're getting resentenced? Well, sir, you need to do something else now. I don't know. I can't I, I don't even know what joke to make about that, but
1: <laughs> that's I'm just cool. Glad. Their records will be expunged. Well, the the resentencing, that's yeah, interesting. New I don't know what that
0: means. Holy cow, New York, three plants. It's cannabis will change the frequency of humanity. If cannabis goes worldwide, legalization if there's cannabis worldwide legalization, it will change the collective frequency of humanity. That's why they've beta tested legalizations first in the States, in America, and then expanding it. And slowly it will be the entire country, but not for a while because they wanted to see how it would affect the collective consciousness. By they, I mean they. You know who they is. (laughs) Don't pretend you don't know who they is. I'm not going to tell you who they is. Go look it up. But I think that those people, the people calling the shots on the bigger picture aspects of human civilization, they wanted to see how it would affect collective consciousness. Would it turn everyone into a psychedelic hippie? Would they continue on with their lives? How would it affect the programming? And it didn't seem to have a profound effect on the amount of programming and how the programming takes. The programming that's coming from media and Hollywood and the outside world, the outside corporate material world, society, culture. They're feeding you this. They wanted to see what would happen. And it didn't break the conditioning. It didn't break the programming. People still moved forward. So they're slowly, slowly, slowly turning the valve towards complete legalization. All the while watching and waiting and checking to make sure that whatever frequency shifts happen that they can manage and mitigate anything that may disrupt whatever their grand plans are. But if it goes worldwide, it's going to be unstoppable. It's going to unlock higher frequencies of perception within the human that's on earth.
1: Well, that'll be refreshing.
0: Yeah, that'll be fun. What do you think about that?
1: I think that sounds great. Sign me up. I think worldwide legalization sounds great. Legalization in the states and the country sounds great. I don't think people should be persecuted for smoking cannabis.
0: Well, how do you think it's going to affect people's frequency? How do you think it's going to affect people on a deeper level?
1: Well, I think uh, it is going to change the frequency. And I think that the more, I mean, there's levels of it. There's the legalization aspect. There's the spiritual aspect. There's the just way that people are processing all kinds of information um, and feelings and um, psycho-spiritual effects, I think will change a lot when it becomes a worldwide phenomenon for sure. And I think that's a positive thing.
0: Yeah. And especially as we grow, we increase our spirituality because of things like the cannabis frequency. Then we'll have the higher technology. That's the world we're going towards. We're going towards a world with incredible spirituality, incredible technology. Speaking of technology, the last article for this evening, the very first episode of Beyond the News, just kind of went how it went. Total free form. We had the articles lined up. But we didn't know how it was going to play out. Hopefully it's cohesive. You'll have to please email me. So we'll talk about that in a second. Last article, technology. Room-sized hologram display generates enormous 3D images. This is from digitaltrends.com. And Here we go. Picture a beaded string curtain, but one in which every bead is a tiny light called a voxel or LED neuron. By switching these lights off and on in different combinations, the bead curtain becomes a kind of screen that's able to display two-dimensional animations. Now imagine if instead of simply having the one screen of beaded threads, you had a hundred of them positioned one in front of the other like an outward-facing display in a store. Each layer shows a slightly different image so that by carefully coordinating each voxel, You can create not just a 2D animation, but a 3D volumetric shape conveying depth. This is what a European startup called LED Pulse has created. LED Pulse, which is run by a 47-year-old artist entrepreneur called Danilo Grande, who lives in Spain, is building a new type of volumetric display that's unlike just about any other you will find. Wow, so to me this is the future of the display. You think about our flat screen televisions and how they're getting more and more definition, 1080p to 4k to 8k. Now we're getting the holograms. We already knew we're coming because we were programmed by media to create these technologies. We saw these holograms, these 3D holograms in all the science fiction movies that we watched growing up. So now Poof, it magically comes out of human consciousness. Gee, I wonder why they (laughs) did that. It's not like they did that on purpose, you think? They did. Okay, so this is going to be amazing, though. Everybody that knows me knows that I love live music. I love going to concerts. It's only a matter of time before they can recreate classic concerts in a 3D hologram format using AI technology. Can't wait for that day. Can't wait to where I can watch a true recreate concert where my brain won't be able to tell the difference and that it seems almost like the holodeck in Star Trek, like a true realistic hologram. What do you think about that, Brett?
1: I think it sounds super interesting. Would you be, would you still be watching it from afar? Would you be in the hologram like the holodeck? Uh, you know, that's probably like the later
0: that. later evolution of that. I think okay. that's the later evolution. The beginning is just watching it eventually in the year twenty five, seventeen, <laughs> You get to be in it.
1: Okay. All right, I'll wait and see. And then uh, when I walk into Costco one day and I walk into a hologram Grateful Dead show, then that'll be an interesting day.
0: Well... Our episode is coming to a close. This has been beyond the news. I combed the internet with a comb. Literally, I was combing it and I was brushing its lovely hair. Combed the internet looking for articles that were in sync, that were in resonance, that were similar in frequency to what Midnight on Earth offers. This is what I found. Tell me what you think. I need you to go and email me, please. All you thousands of people out there, I can see my stats. I have this wonderful interface that shows me every listener where they're at, how long they listen. So much information. It's it's mind-blowing. Tell me what you think of the Beyond the News episode. Tell me how I should integrate it into Midnight on Earth. Should I do Beyond the News one day, interview the next day? Should I rotate out the episodes We're doing this together. It's a collective evolution. I need your input. Feel free to send me an email. Contact. It's the word contact at midnightonearth.com. Send me an email. Tell me what you think. Bryn, how did you like our first Beyond the News episode?
1: I thought it was pretty fun. Uh, A lot of Interesting articles, good articles, funny articles that I otherwise would not have delved into today. So I found it to be informative and entertaining and even ridiculous at times.
0: Well, thank you for joining us. <laughs>
1: it was fun. Thanks for having me.
0: I appreciate you being here. Of course, you can always go to Bryn's website. Check out our herbs, vinylforceherbs.com And just remember, as you're listening to this podcast with me, you're here week after week, which I know so many of you are. We're growing this thing together. We're building it together. We're evolving together. You're witnessing a true podcast being developed and born a true earth shattering podcast being developed and born. And Earth and Thea, whoever came together, the moon, All of that.
1: Midnight on Earth was in there.
0: You're part of every facet of it when you're here with us as it develops in the beginning. It's not even in the first year yet. We haven't even crossed episode 52, which would then mean we crossed the first year mark. So it's all new. It's all exciting. It's it's all a work in progress. I'm glad that you're here to be a part of it. I just want to say, of course, happy April Fool's Day. We'll see you next week. Midnight on Earth.